Hey, this is Dr. Jenna Bice with Heal at Home Moms. This is the podcast where we discuss all things motherhood and postpartum issues, but also just all things pelvic floor, basically the things that I tackle in my job that I think that all moms around the world should get to know. Um, And that's what we talk about here. So let's take a listen. All right, ladies, so welcome to Heal at Home Moms today. Um, Today we have Serena, and I'm so excited to have her because she's going to be talking to us about behavioral health um, and specifically with children. Um, So Serena, tell us what it is that you do. So I am a board-certified behavior analyst. Um, So we work with, I work with primarily children. Um, but a behavior analyst studies behavior and we work on behavior in the natural environment. Awesome. Okay. So I was, I was telling you before we started this recording, but it's like, I mean, no parent feels like they have their kid's behavior under control. (laughs) You know, it's like something that, you know, every single person can relate to. And obviously I know that you often are working with kids with like certain diagnoses. Mm-hmm. Um, but so let's talk about, um, first of all, I want everyone to know that we're going to get into, you know, things that everyone can learn and glean something from this, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, but so as far as your job, so you own your own company. What's the name of that company? Yes. So I own Elevate Behavior Services here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we serve kids primarily zero to 12. Um, I say zero because it's getting younger and younger. Primarily my youngest is about two, but I've been getting them um, around 18 months lately. Okay. Um, And that was different from when I first started. Um, About seven years ago, I was getting them in around three or four. Okay. So it's great. Early intervention has served a wonderful purpose in getting kids in sooner. That's awesome. Um, And then we currently serve kids only until about 12. We can serve more, but our clinic is only set up for early learners right now. So we hope to expand to adolescents later because that's still a really great need. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, So like you were saying, are these patients, are they usually referred to you by their physician or how do people find you? Sometimes they're referred to us and sometimes parents just find us on their own. So parents know what they're looking for and are searching for help um, and so then they find us on our own. And so we serve a lot of kids with special needs right now, but that we don't have to serve kids with special needs. We can serve anyone who's having any sort of behavioral issues. So with special needs, what types of diagnoses um, do you typically see? So I typically see kids with autism. That's the majority of our clients that we uh-huh. see. Um, insurance pays for it, so that's usually how I get referred. Um, but we do also have some kids with Down syndrome and with ADHD and just general developmental disorders. So if they are behind on any of their milestones, we generally see them. Yeah, okay. So yeah, it's like with me, we work on all things physical. Mm-hmm. But so with, with you um, and for like the mamas listening, um, what are some of the typical signs that, or what are some of the common things people come to you and they're like, hey, I'm having a really hard time with this or my kid's not doing this certain so, thing? Behavior is really cool because behavior is anything interacting with its environment. So um, any organism and whatever they do to interact with their environment. So that can mean anything. So we work on social issues. We work on communication. We work on um, 
adaptive skills. So pulling up and down pants, getting dressed. Um, we have feeding issues that we work on as well. Um, and anything that you do, nice. we so, can work on. Like you said, behavior. So it can be not all just emotional. It can also be tied to physical right. skills. Yep. So awesome. um, our early learners tend to be a lot more communication-based. So their behavior is usually trying to request items or um, just say things. So we work on labeling, requesting items, um, saying no, accepting no. Um, accepting no. Ooh. Accepting no. Yes, that's a tough one. <laughs> that's like, that's one that everyone can relate to. Right. Um, okay. So, and then how long have you been doing this nano on your own? How long have you been owning your own? Our clinic has been open. It'll be three years in October. So, awesome. Um, I know you guys have grown tremendously. Yes. The need is really, really large. I'm so, I'm so glad to have something like this for people in Chattanooga. Yes. It's wonderful. So we um, grew from, there was just me. Yeah. And then now we have 14 of us. And so there's four behavior it's a analysts. big change. <laughs> a big change. There's four <laughs> behavior analysts and the rest of them are RBTs, which is a registered behavior technician. Okay. So a behavior analyst has a caseload of kids. And generally our kids come in for a decent amount of hours. They come anywhere from two to 30 hours a week in our clinic. And so our RBTs are the ones that serve them day to day. And the behavior analysts are the ones that create the caseload. We supervise them yeah. um, and we make their plans. And that's where you said like insurance is so important because when you're dealing with that number of hours. Yes. Right. Who can afford 30 hours a week. That would be Great. insane. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but also these are people who really need, um, that assistance and for someone to walk through with them. Right. right. A lot of our kids that come 30 hours a week don't go to school, um, because it's just, they need that one-on-one -on -one care. Yeah. Um, our kids that usually come two hours a week are in school, in the community. Um, they usually just need some social skills after school. So on Tuesdays and Fridays, we have a social skills group. And so we get together and do a bunch of really fun, That's awesome. um, interactive things. Yeah. Can you give me an example of that? So like a Tuesday, Thursday? Yeah. So the other day they were, I have one of my technicians in, is in charge of this and she had a ball. So these are kids that are after school learners. So they're um, around anywhere from first to fourth grade. Okay. And so my kids ages, right. And yeah. they're very verbal. Um, so they had a big beach ball and it had questions on it and what they had to throw it to each other. So first mm -hmm. they had to look them in the eye and say, Hey, over you, over here. I'm identifying <laughs> yep. with you. Yeah. And, um, when they got the ball, the, whatever their hand landed on was the question that they had to ask another person. So they had to look them in the eye, talk to them and say, hey, what is your favorite vacation? Or where do you want to go after school? Or what do you like to do on the weekend? And then they had to have a conversation back and forth. So just like some verbal communication. Right. Like you said, eye contact. Yep. Starting conversations with people that you maybe wouldn't otherwise. Right. And then yeah. whenever they answer that question, being like, oh, that's great. And having an appropriate response back to them. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yep. um, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You don't want to take those things for granted, right? Those right. are tricky. Yep. Um, and stuff like that can make such a huge difference mm -hmm. on people's And sometimes they're lives. just working together to complete an activity. Like the other day, they were also working on completing an activity together. So they had to, they had an end goal and they had to work together to complete something. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, a lot of team effort stuff. Okay. So when it comes to, um, like you said, a lot of the 
kids you see, because insurance coverage especially too, mm -hmm. um, are, have a diagnosis of autism. Right. Um, so what are some of the most common things you find yourself um, educating uh, the kid or their parent um, on things that they can incorporate at home right. so to make lives better, right? Yep. Um, behavior analysis is the study of behavior, right? So we teach the parents. We have a parent training course that they attend at the beginning, and then we individualize it after that. But there's a general parent training course, and it teaches them all about behavior. So um, we study the science of behavior and learning about why people do things. So we do things in order to communicate and in order to get things done. Mm -hmm. But you wouldn't walk through a door that was locked, right? Like that behavior has taught you how to open up doors and go through them. But if you go through a door, mm -hmm. you first try it, right? You try it, yeah. you see that it's locked, and then you either put your key in or do anything like that. So we kind of teach them how to break down their own kids' behaviors in that way. So if a kid is exhibiting a behavior, what are they trying to accomplish? Are they trying to communicate to you that they need something or are they trying to communicate that they don't want something? What are they trying to communicate? So we break down their behavior into an antecedent, a behavior and a consequence. So okay. the behavior, the antecedent is just what happened before. Okay. Like, okay. So you went up the door and you tried it, right? The behavior is, did you go through the door? Did you not go through the door? And the consequence is what you're going to do after to change it. Okay. So are you going to unlock the door? Are you going to go get someone? What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does it change your behavior, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we try to like break, basically break down their behavior uh, and recognize like what is their antecedent and then how can we change that? Okay. So one of our families is they're working on reducing tantruming behavior. So we got them to track their antecedents which was like okay so I said to you that we needed to go to the car right yeah so like what happened right before the tantrum right so I said we need to go to the car they had a tantrum and so then we work on what happened right before. well how dare you I'm right <laughs> so we work on that we work on um what do you need to change before? Do we need to prep them? Do we need to give them a timer? Do we need to, how can we change that to reaction? To set them up for success. Yep. Yeah. Right. So timers are usually our biggest thing that we go to. Kids love timers. Yes. So we... Um, my, my son loves timers. Right. And that's an antecedent intervention. Yeah. That can change the behavior afterwards. Nice. I totally get that. Yeah, so trying to break it apart and see what can we do. Yep. or So something as simple as I've noticed with my girls, if they're watching a TV show and I want them to turn it off in the next 10 minutes, right? they're going to get really mad at me if I don't warn them right. about that ahead of time. Yep. So, okay, we have 10 minutes left in the show. In 10 minutes, I want you all to know TV's coming off, right? Right, right. Um, they still may get upset, <laughs> but it's certainly a lot less likely or it won't be as bad if right. I prep them. Yep. Okay. Yep. So we teach them to break down their behavior and kind of see like where we can change it. Um, By assisting them, basically. Right? Yes. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Um, so we look at or what's like, happening like, before. Or like you said, we're going to get in the car when this timer goes off. Right. It's a three-minute timer. Um, something like that. Right. We use timers. We use social stories. Um Social stories. Are what do you What do you mean by social stories? Social stories. So basically, we create these little stories that 
plan out what's going to happen next. So um, we have one particular kid that has a really hard time going to Walmart because he and his head has this plan of what he wants to happen in Walmart. He's going to go to the toys and he's going to look at the ah. toys and he's going to do all these things. So He doesn't want to go get groceries. or Right. So mom yeah. has a social story that says when we go into Walmart, we're going to walk to the groceries, we're going to get the groceries, and then we're going to go check out, and then we're going to leave. And when he knows that plan, it's very helpful. Yeah. If he doesn't have that plan. It's all about expectations. He has that plan in his head. He's like, you wanted to do that? I wanted to do this. Right. Yeah. So he has um, a plan in his head what he's going to do. And so what we do is we just prep him of like, this is what's going to happen. Nice. Mm -hmm. So yeah, all those times we see kids throwing tantrums in Walmart. Right. I mean, to be fair, I think all of us have had that happen before. Oh, absolutely. I've definitely walked out before with the kids <laughs> screaming. <laughs> but like you were saying, so the more we can prep them, mm -hmm. so you, like you were saying, social story, where it's like you're literally going to be like, this is what's going to happen while we're in here. Right. Um, right. Or for me, when we go to Publix, it's like if, you know, we're going to grocery shop. At the end of grocery shopping, we'll go get a cookie. Right. And yes. That's, that's, that's the, the last thing we're going to do. <laughs> yep. Yeah, then and I'll, I'll be honest, and then there are times where I'm like, and if we don't behave well, mm -hmm. <laughs> we may not stop and get that cookie. <laughs> right, and that's motivation. So you're using their motivation to kind of help them along the way because, honestly, we go to work for a paycheck, right? That's Yeah, everyone's motivated in our actions. Right, yeah. we have work. Well, I mean, kids don't have work, but they have things that they don't necessarily always want to do, but they got to find some sort of reasoning why yeah. to do it. So if they have some sort of... Something at the like end. Like you said, special time with their parent or right. a cookie or, right? Right. There's all sorts yeah. of different ways to motivate kids. Some kids are really motivated by high fives and good jobs, and some kids are motivated by just something by different. Treats. Right. <laughs> I have a kid that was terrified of I high fives. I say that because my kids, we've been trying to work on down decreasing how much sugar because it is a very motivating factor for my they children. They do. Yep. They love it. And they use that a lot in school, mm -hmm. which I both appreciate, and I'm like, too much but yep. but I get what they're doing right they're right. trying to reward the kids in a Absolutely. way that they can in a mass environment so yep. we treats we do it sometimes but we really try to avoid treats um we try to avoid treats as much as possible because of that where yeah. we don't want to have this bad relationship yeah. with treats and stuff yeah. like that so we try to usually find very natural reinforcers um that easily flow into your natural day yes and I'm sure there's so many wonderful mm -hmm. options right I mean, it could be as simple as like i'm going to sit down and read this book with you yep and like yes. we're going to have one-on-one -on -one time together yes yeah. yeah some kids just want to play so we work for play yeah and usually our work is play so but to they them, don't necessarily know that it's usually free play and then structured play yes yeah that's fair that's fair mm -hmm. i see that so a okay. lot of what we do is through structured play so we um teach behavior through we have huge, massive toy rooms, and um, we have a really fun sensory room. I'm sure. With a trampoline and... My kids um, want to come. Do your kids come play oh, my at kids your come. office? Yes, all that's the time. That's awesome. They love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. Okay, so if there's... That's so good. Um, timers, like you were saying, like basically prepping before the activity to help them understand what's expected of them. Yes. Setting them up for success, yep. whether it be a story or a timer. Right, so... When we're looking at the behavior, we use antecedent interventions mm -hmm. to try to prep them to have this behavior, 
whatever you're not trying to occur, occur or whatever you're trying to happen, happen, right? Mm-hmm. So we prep them in a way that we can try to change it. And then it, the, sometimes the behavior still happens. So sometimes as much as you try to prep, they're still going to have a tantrum yeah. on their way out the door. Uh-huh. And so then in that moment, we try to change what happens afterwards. Okay, so your kid's in Walmart and they really want this toy and they have a tantrum. Do you it's give never, them? It's never happened. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Do you want them to have the toy? So if they have the toy, what's it going to communicate to them? Yeah. That they can continue to have this tantrum in order to um, get what they want. Uh-huh. So we look at what are they trying to communicate and this and then what are we communicating back by right. our actions, right? Exactly. Are we saying certain behavior is accepted or not accepted? Right. And um, this kind of happens naturally all around us, right? Like when we're driving down the street and we see a cop car, we don't speed, right? Uh-huh. Because of what happens, <laughs> we get a ticket um, and we don't want that. So this is the same thing that we're doing with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we use these teaching strategies to... Um, yeah. Sounds like everything. things adults could benefit from as well, you know? Right. I mean, like you said, a lot of it is like lessons that we also have in our lives. It, absolutely. So, I mean, behavior analysis is in our daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just our study of it is that we've studied behavior and see how kids learn, how adults learn. Um, so that's, <laughs> it's all around us. Yeah. Okay, so if we have time for one last kind of pearl of wisdom, mm-hmm. specifically thinking about behavior with children with autism, mm-hmm. um, what would you say would be that? Ooh. I know, and it may be too hard to choose one. Yeah, that is a hard one. Um, usually, they're trying to communicate something. Mm-hmm. So anything that these kids are doing, they're trying to communicate something. So it's just ha- trying to see what they're trying to communicate and how can we change that into a way that we all understand. Yeah. Right. Because right. usually it's a misunderstanding. And then they might get more frustrated that we don't understand. Right. And yeah. so how can we create these strategies to so to make it so that everyone understands? Yeah. And like you said, you guys work with like kind of that verbal communication too. Yes. Yes, we work with a lot of verbal communication. Well, we work with verbal communication and we work with um, nonverbal communication. So we have a lot of kids that have communication devices. We have a lot of kids that use sign or PECs or yeah. um, all sorts of different ways to communicate. So, so instead of having a tantrum, if I can just tap you on the shoulder, yeah, that's great. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I think you're doing amazing work. Awesome. Thank you. And I'm sure plenty of mamas can hear that and glean something for how we approach um, our kiddos. Great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Heal at Home Moms. I'm Dr. Jenna Bice. If you need any further help, you're welcome to find us on healathomemoms.com. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and I also offer telehealth for those of you far away who need some one-on-one consultation and in-person concierge mobile physical therapy. So if you are in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area and you are looking to heal, I am here for you.